The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave uh, in the piney woods of North Central Florida, which is God's country. And, of course, uh, we're in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, and we're protected 24 7, 365 by crime prevention, local security. Always patronize your local businesses. And uh, we are looking forward to a rousing good time today on our Wednesdays. You know, you can set your clock by Ted Yoho no matter where he is in the universe. And uh, he's more reliable than our own production guys are. Har har. Um, <laughs> let me tell you where the young man is now. Uh, he was last Wednesday in Mon- uh, Mongolia. We're going to have a picture of his buddies and him probably uh, thrown up their bar production crew after a while. And uh, now he's in South Korea. And, uh, you know, you look how fresh he looks. I mean, something's uh, treating him right there. I don't know whether it's the food, the air. Or, uh, but uh, here, here he is with us. And uh, good morning, Ken. Here you're Matt Cannon. Good to see y'all. And there's a Barbara Scott watching. I'll be darned. That's something else. And I know there's a Mrs. Yoho in the background there because we were talking. There is. She's in the background, tentatively listening. Yeah, tentatively listening. Well, uh, let's uh, talk again about, <laughs> listen, you know, it's always interesting to us how others see us from distant shores. I don't know if that's a good place for you to begin um, or whether you want to sure. be what your official business is there right now. But, um, you know, right now, for example, uh, I don't know if you get the Wall Street Journal out there. You probably do on your on your um, computer. Uh, you know, just got on, done reading it. Yeah, the, the left's war on the rule of law. Uh, the Durham report, which we knew all along, but uh, it's one of the most amazing things in the, um, in my lifetime in the United States of America. Uh, I don't, you know, you know, I go back to well, I'll date myself here. I was a little kid when Truman was around, but. Uh, Holy mackerel. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. Listen, I'm not long for this world. <laughs> I was just a little kid. Uh, but I do remember Eisenhower very, very well, my man, and all that business. And um, I remember the CIA back then. Um, Eisenhower got kind of led astray by, I think it was Dulles, who told him they could fly yeah, he did. the, uh, the yeah. U 2 over Russia, and nobody'd ever find out. And of course, it had a flame out. And uh, uh, Francis Gary Powers, I remember all these names, man. Francis Gary Powers uh, landed in Russian territory and then Khrushchev paraded him out in front of the United Nations and banged his shoe on the podium and said, well, Barry. He sure did. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he, was a, he was a farmer. You know, he was a crude old guy, but he was of the people, the peasant class, so to speak. And uh, remember him banging his shoe. And I remember uh, that. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, all the Cuba came along. As yeah. Kennedy called it, and Adley Johnson, Adley Stevenson uh, said he was prepared to stay there till hell froze over, 
uh, until Khrushchev admitted they put nuclear missiles in Cuba and he had to take them out. It was really, I'm trying to remember now whether it was more, I won't say exciting, but kind of tenuous then than it is now. Oh, man, it was tense. I remember that as a kid. People were building bomb shelters and uh, parents were worried. You saw the fear in their eyes from a foreign government. Yeah. But today, I think they see more fear from their government, our government, the American government. And that's where I was going with it, Ted. I mean, I didn't mean to spoil your surprise. No, but that's what we've got. Well, you know, the enemies is us. We've met what Pogo say. I met the enemy and the enemy is we be the enemy, you know. Uh, yeah. This whole Durham report thing, I, I, I don't know if you have time to delve into it yet, but, you know, all the lids just coming off of it. But um, I've, I've taken the position that the real truth <sighs> about the election, beep, since we're not allowed to use that word, right, will take 50 years to be uncovered. You know, it is, there's so many cover-ups now that and liars and cheaters and I don't I, – I can't – anyway – Take it off. I'm, I'm, I'm on a rant. Okay. Well, no, I mean, it goes beyond just the election. I mean, look what they've, look what they did with COVID. Look what they're doing with, um, you know, the, the whole wokeism and transgenderism. And, and if you don't agree with what they say, if they, if, if, if you say something against homosexual marriage or something like that, you're a homophobe, but yet are, are they not a heterophobe because they're, spewing the same kind of uh, nonsense and you know it's just gotten where you can't trust your government and then the things that they insipidously put in there that voters don't even know about i mean the, the biggest example we talked about last week is that extra 40 dollars going on to your uh, mortgage payment if you've got a credit score of 680 dollars or 680 points and you know i want to know what representative voted for that so we can on un- 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 them. But there isn't one. It's all through those bureaucracies. Those are the things that have to be taken apart, along with the FBI. And the CIA is as dirty as the FBI. You know, I'm sure you've heard uh, uh, Kennedy out there talking about, you know, when uh, John Kennedy got shot and assassinated. First thing Robert Kennedy did was to call the CIA and the FBI and ask if they had a hand in it. And, um, you know, I think that'll come out someday when we get the right president that'll let that out. Um, you know, so we've got to, we, our government always talks about all these other corrupt governments, but we, this is a time for self-reflection. We can't take our eyes off what's going on in the world, but we need to clean up our own house. How do the people there in South Korea see us? You got any feel for that? Uh, you know, it's funny because they're your, they weren't real happy with uh, Trump, you know, just because he came in uh, the bowl in the China shop, disrupt um, an, an alliance we've had, I think, since 1953 with South Korea. We had the security, um, the U.S.-South Korea security alliance that we've agreed to protect them. And uh, Trump came in there and it really disrupted that. Of course, that disrupted Japan. And... Um, uh, so there was a lot of doubt whether America was going to be here. And that alliance we have with uh, South Korea, Japan, and us is second only to NATO, you know, that alliance. But I, I trust this alliance a lot more than I do with the Europeans, with the, the French and some of those other countries. Um, 
And so Trump really did weaken that. I didn't realize how much. And I hate to admit it, the stuff that Biden's done, um, they're all gravitating to it and say, America's back. And that's their words, not mine. I think Biden's the worst uh, president we could ever have uh, put in there other than Kamala Harris or Hillary Clinton. And, um, you know, but it's good to know at this point in time, they call it a pivotal point in time uh, with what's going on in Ukraine. And then you have the ever looming uh, um, um, possibilities with what China's doing with uh, Taiwan and uh, just their aggression around the world, wanting to be the uh, lone superpower in the world. And so, you know, I'm going to celebrate American policy. I'm, I, I can't say Biden's name for that because I think it's the people around him. Um, but we can't forget what Trump did, too. You know, you know, look at the Supreme Court. You look at the uh, American Jobs uh, Act and tax cut. And, you know, you can go on. Uh, and he, he did well. Uh, but there is a lot of uh, anticipation who's going to be our next president. In fact, tomorrow I'm on a panel. And uh, that panel is on American politics, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, it certainly will. Now, you're there. Let's uh, give the uh, listeners a little clue on that because we talked about it before we went on. The Asian Conference, what is that title again? The Asian Leadership Conference. Okay. And it's been going on for four years. Boris Johnson spoke today. Uh, President Yoon of South Korea spoke. Uh, Like I said, we'll be at the Prime Minister's tomorrow. Uh, they had Mike Pompeo talk today at the uh, via video. Uh, Rod wrote Rosenstein is speaking tomorrow, I think. And so, you know, there's a lot of people here. There's just a lot of emphasis on this. It's, it's just a very high quality meeting, great information coming out. Anything from AI to agriculture to, uh, you know, um, um, you know, the economies and trade. And of course, the the Russian war in Ukraine, and uh, what China's doing. Uh, it's interesting because being in Mongolia and being here, you don't hear much positive about either one of those. In fact, when we were in Mongolia last week, um, it was their day of their national parade to celebrate the military. The Mongolians were protesting Russia. Uh, in support of Ukraine, and uh, it was kind of interesting. And then you come over here, and there's not one kind word about China, not one kind word about Russia. Um, And so when you look at world politics, we've got a lot of allies. We've got a lot of friends. We've got a lot of people. They're our allies. They may not be our friends, but they we work together. Russia and China, they have each other, and then North Korea. And then you can throw in Iran. Venezuela and Cuba, that's their friends, but they don't really, they're not really friends. They just, they don't have anybody else to play with. <laughs> We've got a, a long time viewer here who wants to uh, know more about your capacity at these conferences. Are you an observer, a participant? And uh, that's coming from uh, one of our listeners right now. I'm a participant. Uh, I spoke, um, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday. We were in a conference and we were talking about. Um, uh, there's a bunch of think tank people in there, the Heritage Foundation, CSIS, a couple other ones, people from Harvard. Um, and you, you can tell right away, we, we don't, we're not on the same wavelength with the people from Harvard. 
Um, but, you know, stocking policy, that was yesterday from trade to elections to foreign policy to what to do with China. Um, and, and it's interesting because the name of the conference is an era of upheaval is the name of the conference. And how do we prevent us from going into the next major war, which we don't want? It'd be, uh, it would be catastrophic for the whole world. And, uh, so I participated in that. And tomorrow I'll participate in American politics. And you are uh, alone in that? Or are there other participants from U.S.? Uh... This is something that uh, we were invited uh, through the former members of Congress as an organization, and they teamed up with the Amer- or the Asian Le- Leadership Conference. And then uh, there was one other conference that, or one other organization that came together to uh, – put this on it's a fourth year running and uh you know who else they had here was uh alina zelinska who is um uh the first lady of uh, ukraine and she spoke as very passionate wow. uh, she kept her po- posure uh composure and it was just a very very strong message and that picture of the orchestra i sent you were all ukrainian female musicians and uh, it's usually a, a, a man and woman orchestra, but all the men are uh, in Ukraine fighting. And some of them, some of those women that were playing, their husbands have been lost in this war. And, uh, you know, you talk about freedom fighters, you know, and it just kind of makes you, when you see people in America complaining about how bad America is, it's racist, it's this and that, by God, they got freedom where they can espouse those uh, those issues. Um, Mrs. Zelensky today said there's an, on an average, 50 bombs and missiles being dropped on, on Ukrainian towns every day. So that's 350 in a month. And it's been going on and going on and going on. And, uh, it's, uh, I just read tonight that they bombed a shopping center, you know, and, uh, I forget what town it is, but you can imagine you're in there trying to buy something and they just blow it up. Um, the, uh, Putin is going to have not just a red mark on him, but he's put a black mark on Russia and the Russian people. And I think he's going to pay dearly for this. You know, it's um, a very good point. I'm glad you brought it up that. And I will try to get the picture up uh, at the break. I'll try to send it over to production so they can show the one of the orchestra, but all women. And the reason, in case you're just tuning in here, Ted Yoho is in South Korea uh, at, at an Asian conference. So Mrs. Zelensky of Ukraine spoke, you just said. And uh, all the men of this orchestra, for example, are at the front or fighting, and the women now make up the entire orchestra. You know. Um, and they were awesome. And they played with passion. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, what a story. I mean, oh, I mean yes. what, a, what a story. Um Years ago, you know, I'm dating myself again. I had a friend who uh, came here, but he had been a freedom fighter with the Hungarians. And he, yeah. hated, he hated the Russians. Um, you know, the Russians were savage and brutal. I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. Um, oh, it's I, ego. Yeah. Uh, it's Putin's huh? ego. It's Putin's ego. Well, he wants to reclaim Mother Russia. I mean, it's, it's strictly Putin's um, maniacal mindset. Um, and, and there's no way he can win in this. The, the Russian people aren't behind him. Uh, you've seen the, uh, the Wagner group, the, the mercenary army that's run by 
an oligarch, uh, they're turning on them. And uh, it's a mess. And like I said, there's going to be a lot of blood on his hands, so there is a red spot on him, but he's going to have a black spot, uh, again, on the Russian people. Think of, think of the, the, uh, the image of Germany and Japan after World War II, how long those generations lived with the shame of that war. Um, uh, the only good thing about this one for the Russian people are that most of them are not supporting Putin. Well, good for them, but they do so with their own peril, I'm sure, because... Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, they do. um, I thought it was interesting, their military parade, they just about called off because of fear of a drone attack. And... um, They had one tank in it. Yeah. I I saw the pitch. I mean... I didn't know if that was a a real (laughs) representation of the parade, or like you said, they're afraid of a drone tank. (laughs) They don't have to worry about a drone blowing them up. They blow up on their own. (laughs) Well, it's really, um, you know, Ukraine. I had a colleague that taught with at the college before I retired. And he went over every summer to Ukraine and took students on some exchange thing. And looking back on it, I wish I'd taken him up on it. He said, if you ever want to go, he says, you can go with us. And we're over there for, I don't know, they were over there for a couple of months or so. And I never, I never went, but you know, he was um, very much involved and I haven't seen him since, um, because I retired. He's still to college. I'm curious about, you know, what his uh, take is on everything. And, uh, and I don't think they take those students anymore. I, I would imagine they wouldn't because it's so too dangerous. Not right now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because some of the people that came here, uh, even when they came to South Korea from the States, some of the routes you've got to crush cross Russian airspace and they couldn't do that. So they had to fly around Russia because Russia's got a no fly zone over the whole nation. You know, that was one of the conversations that came up back in the days of the YouTube and the UN, the UN had this uh, conversation about border integrity. And the issue was right. how, how high into the sky does a border go? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Not yeah, it is. Not infinitely. I mean, and that was kind of the argument. We're going to fly the U-2 so high, it won't really be over the border. <laughs> and, you know. Well, uh, they messed up there. And they messed up there. And uh, yeah. if you look at the definition of United Nations, uh, definition of the word aggression, uh, it has to do uh, armed force against the territorial integrity of another nation. And right. uh, uh, that's kind of an interesting. We used to teach that in the college as a as a, uh, a way to write a, a definition, because a definition of an abstract noun is the most difficult thing for people to do. And you see these problems all the time in the media. They'll use a term. They have no idea how it's defined. Um, they just throw it out there, you know, and. Uh, they assume that, uh, that, that you can put you can put whatever meaning you want to in it, then since nobody can define it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like man and woman, you can put whatever gender you want there. <laughs> I heard the strangest story a moment ago. I mean, this is strange. You know, we're getting to the world of stranger than fiction. You remember all that old stuff, the Twilight Zone? Maybe you. Do. I sure do. But get this, Ted. There is a. 
trans, and I may screw these terms up. So there's a transgender person who joined a sorority, okay, and still hasn't okay. had the still hasn't had the operation. Hint, hint. If you get my point, to to make him or her or whatever a female, but yet is in the sorority. Now, you think it stops there. The transgender person wants a safe space within the sorority to protect himself or herself from the regular women in the sorority. My question is, how in the hell did he get in the sorority in the first place? (laughs) Or he or she, whatever it is. I I I, don't know. Huh? (laughs) I don't know. Well... One of my favorite quotes is John Wayne's life's hard enough, but it's really hard if you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, it beats Saturday Night Live. You can't, you can't script. This you can't stuff. make this stuff up. No. And, you know, again, I mean, we need to get away from this nonsense. This is not America. This is not what America stands for. Yes, we have freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. We've got all that. But there's also some norms that you're supposed to follow that are historical, that are cultural, that are traditional. And uh, men acting as women, you can do that, but you're not a woman. And I don't think I should be penalized if I don't want to call you a, a she or a her. You know, I think it's I think it comes down to a lot of these people. Um, it's a mental health issue. It's a, a mental uh, situation where they should get counseling. And, uh, you know, you can do all the surgeries you want, but you're not changing a man into a woman or vice versa. And uh, I think we need to realize that. And uh, get it out of our schools and teaching these and confusing these young kids. Um, you know, it, it just, it, we need to step away from this. And I think the majority of Americans, they don't want to be um, categorized as a Republican or a Democrat liberal. They want to be categorized as Americans and get back to the basics that founded this country. And that goes back to our founding principles that our rights come from a creator, not from government. And it's institution, uh, we give the government the authority to govern, uh, but we also have the authority to change government when needed, and I can't think of a better time that we need to do that, and uh, uh, there's ways to do that, and let's hope it's never a civil war, but that we go to the polls in numbers, and we change the dynamics of of, uh, politics, and that's something I'd like to cover if you've got time later on. Sure, we got time, and it's your uh, really narrative that we follow because you're over there in such an interesting place in the world and uh, giving us a perspective that um, I'm sure the listeners and the viewers sure want to hear because, as I said, I think we talked last uh, week about this. Unlike Europe, so many of our people don't ever cross a border into a different culture. And so they don't know how other people view them or vice versa. In Europe, you know, you cross in this, what was Serbia, and then it was Yugoslavia, right. and then all these things get, you know, and Poland. And when you cross, you really cross into a different culture. Um, and it's very, it's very meaningful. I mean, it can be very educational. And curiously, when I was in Europe one summer doing the Eurail thing and staying in the hostels and just, you know, being down on the street, so to speak, I talked with a the young students, and they knew more about American literature right. than my students did in America. I mean, they did. They had read it. They had studied it. They were curious. I mean, you know, they wanted to know what made us tick. 
Our people don't have a clue about what makes us tick or have much interest in it. They just want something coming to them next. And uh, I don't know whether we've done this to ourselves and taught them this. But yeah, we know, have. We have. I mean, we've done it through a lot of things. One of them is just not uh, pushing responsibility and, uh, you know, virtue. I mean, look, look at the garbage coming out of the music industry. Not all of it, but, I mean, you know what I'm talking about or out of Hollywood. Um and, and on the media, I mean, look at the garbage on media. I mean, back in the old days, Ed Sullivan, um, uh, Walter Cronkite, you never heard a cuss word come out of those people. But you hear these so-called journalists today, and it's just, you know, it's like they have dumbed themselves down. I don't, I, I don't think it's on purpose. I think it's cultural. And then, um, you know, the work ethic that's gone. You know, it's interesting here because this country, after um, the Korean War, which ended, uh, I think it was in 53, um, it was in shambles. There was no economy. It was, they had the lowest uh, GDP or per capita income of all the countries in the world. And that was uh, up till about 1958 to 1960. Now today, they're the, what are they, the 10th largest economy in the world, our seventh largest trading partner. And they've done that in that short period of time. So you've got a very strong industrious uh, group, but you know they're not without problems. Uh, uh, I mean, they've got some major car companies, uh, Hyundai, Kia. They have some of the largest steel producing companies in the world of stainless steel, uh, but they got a birth rate of zero point seven one. Really, it's a dying, it's a dying culture. Really, and uh, yeah, it's it's you know a lot of the developed countries are like that. And, uh, you know, Africa is going to probably um, exceed us as India will and a lot of the Muslim countries. I look in our country, you look in America and see who's uh, propagating. And that's the it's the uh, the minority populations are growing way beyond the Anglo-Saxons, beyond, uh, beyond the black population. And uh, the Latinos and the Muslims and other Asians are even um uh growing their population stronger you know as far as numbers well that's uh, as we say kind of a moving target it's constantly um, um it, if we just had some order to it i think we could all assimilate anything that comes along but you sure. know the border has been a big story on that as we know we're coming up on the bottom of the hour break we're talking with ted yoho is in a hotel room in south korea south what, korea what town are you in Seoul. Seoul. You're in Seoul. Okay. Well, I'm in Seoul. Let you, let you know as a little kid here, to date myself again, um, I used to like to draw cartoons. I did, as a kid, I did a lot of cartoons. And one of the things that I would always do cartoons of is the real dog fights, which were on the news every day. Oh, yeah. Between the MIG and, and the suit and the saber. And yeah. I would draw these cartoons of these dogfights of the MiG and the Saber. And that's really a big part of that war in South Korea. And the other thing that sure was. was so memorable was um, they used to put a, a map on the paper each day of where the forces were for us. And they showed Is that MacArthur, right? MacArthur come in around behind. He came into that 38th parallel and came in around behind and squeezed them down to the sea going south if I recall. And uh, then, of course, I, I this is all walking history to me. And then there was a problem where uh, Truman, of course, fired MacArthur 
across the Yalu River. And uh, I had a friend who was a radio operator in the Marines, and he had crossed with Chesty Puller um, and, and gone across into China. And then they had the orders to retreat. And he later became a colleague of mine at the college. And he said it was the most humiliating moment in his life when, as a Marine, they had fought. It was bitter cold then. And, and, and oh, yeah, fought, it was terribly cold for that war. Fought, fought like crazy. And they'd gone up there and crossed that river, followed their orders, and then they're told to retreat. He says, I couldn't run fast enough back down the, the peninsula there with the Chinese guys coming across the Yalu chasing us. He said, I had to take my radio battery pack off my back and throw it over a cliff in order to run fast enough to get away from these guys. Wow. And he told me and he'd become kind of a nihilist. Uh, he was a Catholic by faith, but and he was a great athlete. He'd been an all-Southern football player and that's uh, not good thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, good run. And he said he said that um, it was the last time he would ever trust government again. Yeah, you know that they told him to do. Uh, one here thing. we are. They they told him to do one thing and they did it, and then they were told him, "No, you better not do that for political reasons." Really? For yeah. Political. You know, I think that's that's when they started to get more political in the military and fight these political wars. They went from that and of course, right into Vietnam. And, um, you know, you had the Gulf war, um, and then you had, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, we went into countries that never attacked us and then we were going to build democracies and what a dismal failure that was after 20 years and trillions of dollars and uh, thousands of families either dead or, you know, living with PTSD for the rest of their lives. And those families will be never the same again. And it was political. And, uh, you know, that's something I, I keep our politicians in check and say, you know, you guys are the ones that put us in this situation. And, uh, you know, again, you've heard me say this before, throw those guys out. They have no business in there. I'm going to tell you, we're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour now for our weather movie right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. There are a few tickets left for Gainesville's best pig roast and special whiskey debut. Sunday, May 21st from 2 to 5 p.m., Spurrier's Gridiron Grill is roasting a whole pig and sipping piggyback rye whiskey. Join us at Vicer's Rooftop for the release of Spurrier's Piggyback Rye's private label barrel select whiskey. We'll have specialty drinks, games, raffles, plus each ticket includes your own bottle of Spurrier's Piggyback Rye Whiskey to take home. Go to Spurrier's.com to get your ticket to join 125 of your friends at the Rooftop Pig Roast before we sell out. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. 
Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Special award of Scott here in the Manly Cave. Man. Manly Cave, right? Got that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joking around with y'all. You know how that works. Listen, Ward's Weather, thanks to Lewis Oil for sponsoring this Chevron Station's Fossil Fuel. You got to love it. Um, looking for rain in these parts here, but not getting it, but it's patchy and spotty. Um, we're probably going to, uh, one of these days, try to get it to stop raining because we'll move into our rainy season. Uh, the big news right now is that uh, Memorial Day weekend, according to uh, some of these uh, people who study our trends, uh, is going to be, of course, the unofficial start of the summer travel season, and it's shaping up to be very busy. They measure this really by airport travel, and it's the reason is there's no more pandemic, and the pandemic is lifted, and so the people are beginning to plan their automotive and trip planning Groups, uh, AAA has uh, said that's going to take up uh, pick a uh, pickup, and um, and the book the people are booking their hotels and all this. So air travel is expected to be up eleven percent over last year. Uh, Three point four million people expect to fly over the holiday weekend. Uh, that exceeds the two thousand nineteen level by about five and a half percent. So AAA says this Memorial weekend could be the busiest since 2005. So I guess you ought to plan accordingly. Keep that in mind. Uh, and of course, there's the always the unpredictable delays. So I tend to go the other way. On those busy days and weekends when everybody else is traveling, I tend to stay out of the um, furor and um, avoid any kind of chaos. Now that I'm an older gentleman. Well, in case you're just checking in, we've got... Uh, uh, Ted Yoho here with us uh, from Seoul, Korea, and it's right. nighttime there. 
It's uh, about the same time here, but at night on the same day, he says, we're the 17th of May. And uh, we are talking uh, with Ted, who is as regular as uh, clockwork and much more predictable than the weather. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to, uh, I want to remind any of my old clients that are watching how you keep saying, I'm always on time, but my clients knew that wasn't the case. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was different. Yeah. You can ask Tom and Buckley about that. Yeah. Well, I I can, I can understand that, you know, Um, but that was uh, taking care of animals and who knew what was going to come up when you went to see one and try to get them under your control. Um, took a bunch of calves the other day to market and going to find out what they brought. Uh, so, um, keep you tuned in on that. You know, yeah, let me know. I'd like to know the price. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I've learned something, Ted, that I had some small. That's good at your age. That's good. Uh, You dang right now. If I can just remember it, but I've learned (laughs) that the quote unquote small cow is increasing in value over the quote unquote large cow breed. And that is really. Yeah, people are wanting the smaller cattle. Um, they consume less. They cost less to raise. Uh, they bring good prices. I was surprised to learn that. Um, I, I was thinking still I needed the big, the big gals, you know. But I had a couple mm-hmm. little gals, and and the, and the guys who were loading said, "No, no, those little gals are good. We'll load them up too." So interesting. Okay, good. You never heard that before. So anyway, I uh, heard you, that. Yeah, you you had something. See, you leave the country and something happens. There you go. Um, yeah. You said you wanted to talk about something, and I forgot what it was. There you go. See, I can't remember. Uh, what is it <laughs> you want to talk about? Maybe I'll remember it. <laughs> okay. I may have forgot, too. I, it was interesting, though, uh, before I get into that. Um, you know, everywhere we're going. In fact, I had to hear uh, Antonio Gutierrez who's the inspector general of the UN and uh, the guy's a leftist. He came out of Latin America, uh, does not like America. And of course he gets up there. Oh, this is terrible about Ukraine. We've got to stop the fighting and we'll have a hearing or something. It just, it's garbage. And then uh, what he did is he didn't talk a whole lot about what Russia is doing to Ukraine illegally. He, he pivoted and say how we've all got to come together to solve climate change because it's affecting crops everywhere in the world. Oh, and I know it just makes you want to throw up. Um, and I, I hope Lewis oil keeps uh, selling oil. So somebody's got to keep pumping it. Um, but Macron, Macron out of France, this is interesting. Um, keep in mind, who say France was, there was the Brits and us and the Canadians, Aussies, um, and so Macron goes over to Xi Jinping in China because he wants to get away from American influence. And I'm like, it's not a, probably a pretty smart move there. But then he also went on to say that they want to, in France, they want to take a slight pause on the climate change policies and regulations uh, just for a while, you know, because they have put <laughs> enough in place. Uh, and it's they're, what they're finding out is they're starting to burn coal more than they were. Um, it, they found out it's hurting businesses and uh, hurting their food production because, uh, you know, without fossil fuels, you can't do it. So it's just kind of interesting. I think that's a, a phase that's going to go out. And so what I wanted to talk about is, if it's all right with you, it's your show. No, no, no. <laughs> is, go ahead, Matt. Is, you know, how do we get out of the mess we're in? And I've asked, I'm over here with uh, 
what is there? There's six congressmen and a senator that were all former members. And, um, you know, we've talked about it there, but they're, they're not giving the answer that I want to hear. You know, it's going through the electoral process and all that uh, and having elections. But I think, and they were talking about, well, DeSantis has raised a lot of money, but they don't think he's going to be electable. Trump's the one out in the forefront. He's got all this money, but he's got all that garbage going on, too, with the lawsuits. You know, and you look at his foreign policy side, he was weak on that. And then you look at all the inflammatory things he did that divided this nation. We need somebody that's going to bring this nation together. We need somebody that's going to talk a vision for this country of where we're going to be 5, 10, maybe 20, 50 years down the road and unite people as Americans as John Kennedy did with the space program. And um, I think if you had a candidate that did that, because they're all talking over here, these other members, how much money you got to have and you got to win in Iowa and you've got to win in this state and in New Hampshire because those anybody that wins there, they go on to be the president. If you don't win there, you, you don't have a chance. And they're talking about somebody and they saw like Mark Walker. He can't get in. He's he's beyond his time. He should have ran right away. And I'm thinking, you know, that's traditional thinking. Who's got the most money? Who's got the millionaires behind them? And I, I don't think I think it comes down to the American people. And I think if you had a candidate that espoused a message about uniting America, and we talked last week about the um, person from Japan uh, when when he asked uh, who should win the next election, who do you want to see win the next election? He goes, it doesn't matter to me. But what I do want to see <clears throat> is the United States of America again, not the divided states of America. And is Trump going to unite the United States? Is DeSantis? You know, you see the stuff that Ron's done, uh, alienating uh, a, a good portion of the electorate. And then outside of, um, uh, outside of Florida, He's not getting a real warm reception is what I'm hearing. And then you look at Biden, Biden or Kamala Harris. Uh, There was an article I read today, and it was on Wall Street Journal. It was a a video clip saying that their whole goal is to do the progressive agenda. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. That's why you got wokeism. That's why you've got the LBGTQ, whatever alphabet you want in or the anti-christian stuff the anti-american stuff so they're divisive there then you've got trump on this side divisive who's the one that's going to bring america together your typical politicians are going to be out there running all the expensive commercials on tv bashing this one and telling you how they're going to mend the nation as biden said we're going to bring america together obama says we're going to bring america together and uh, Trump said that too. And, you know, we're more divided today than we've ever been. And I think if we get out of the mindset of Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal, what about a candidate that just says, I'm an American? I believe in these values. And if you, if you, if you feel like I do, stand with me. And I don't think it comes down to money. And I think we proved that when we ran against Cliff Stearns. We won with um, $350,000, which is a ton of money. But when you compare it to what Mr. Stearns had, he had $2.5 million. And so everybody automatically said, well, Yoho doesn't have a prayer because look how much money Stearns has. And again, I think if you ran the right campaign with the right people, in addition, 
say, this is what I believe and this is what we want to do. And in order to do that, I need certain people in there. So we have a majority in the House and we have a majority in the Senate. And then you start uh, drafting your candidates or pick candidates that have put their name in there and say, these people will support us. And it's an American agenda. It's not a Republican agenda or a liberal agenda. And I think if somebody came out and did that, and they did a grassroots movement uh, with the smart people out there, you could get by without running a, a very expensive campaign. And I think people are tired of the, all the, the uh, campaigning on the radio and on TV for that whole period there when the circus season comes out, which we're going to be entering it pretty soon. What do you think of that? Well, the problem, as I listen, is the press. Um, sure. Just to give you a local example, um, I think the city of Gainesville commission races are non-quote partisan. Oh, really? Not as soon as the press gets a hold of it. Yeah. And, 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 and immediately they'll label or they'll reveal uh, what's going on. And then they kind of drive the narrative. Sure, and they do. I mean, they can. Unfortunately, we can't communicate without them. That's the problem. And they, See, I think we can. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it. If it were to happen, it would have to happen kind of on a network like we're on right now. Right. Podcasting. I mean, that's what yeah, it would be social media. Yeah, podcasting has become uh, more and more used. More and more people are doing – I mean, here is uh, Tucker – uh, talking about going to Twitter. You know, I was thinking, my golly, really? Has it become that, you know, com- uh, widespread that he can communicate off that platform? That's interesting. And of course, he's got oh. a can- he's got an owner of Twitter. Sure. You know, who, who would be be supported. The problem is with, with these platforms, as you know, here's a good example. Word Scott Files not on YouTube because of the beep word. I mean, right. they just decided, well, you know, violated a community standard. They never defined community standard. So ultimately what it would take, and uh, I tell you who I talked this over with one time, and you know him, it was a dream he had, was uh, 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 Tony at uh, Big Daddy, you yeah. know, he wanted to have his own cable network that would right. be, you know, the, the the carrier of open conversations. Sure. It, but it, it got so doggone, you know, you've got to have a lot of team together. I thought it was a great idea. And then you surround that with your own radio stations. For example, there is no radio station. And we had a great radio station. We had a great show going. I was beating Russ Limbaugh. Because of I remember that. Yeah. Well, you know. I remember what happened to that. Well, what happens, the owner decided he'd sell it to a New York guy for electronic music. He thought he could make more. It was all about money, Ted. You know, it was all about money. And um, Yeah, I remember that station. Uh, Tom Hayes Morrison was on there, too. Tom was on there. Ed Brady. Ed Brady. You, Ed Brady. Were, were you with Ed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had, a, you know, and that was all. Way, and it had a lineup all day long. It had Hannity. It had. Uh, all these guys lined up all day long, had uh, Russ. And then what Russ Limbaugh did, and it took him a long time to do it, he built his own network. 
EIB network. Yeah. That was his network. Therefore, you know, you weren't going to mess with that network. That was, that was limbo. We don't right. have that now. And nobody has been able to take his network. You don't even, you can't even name the guy who took his place because of his personality was so, so relevant and so powerful, you know. Yeah. But I, I still think from what you just I mean, you remember the flash mob crowds. I think if you did on social media and you had enough people, a grassroots movement, and you, you built, you know, uh, organizations in every state and had those states go down to the county level. And I, I, I think I would love to see somebody win without $50 million they raised or a hundred million dollars or, you know, and just tell the media people, you know, give them the middle finger basically and just say, I'm not playing your game. Right. That's not how we, we Americans uh, choose a candidate because if you look over the last election cycles up till Trump, it was the Republican party was going to pick your candidate and the Democrat was going to, and before Trump got on the stage, the Republican candidate was going to be Jeb Bush. The Democrat was going to be Hillary Clinton. And those are your two choices, America. And, uh, you know, thank God Trump did come in there and we had four years of him, you know, and he did great things, but there was also all that negative that divided this nation. And I think we need somebody that just, you know, we're going to put blinders on and not play that game. Well, we got to get away from the party money. Uh, that's get how- away from the party and the party, you know, you read the party, you read the party platforms, read the Republican platform, fiscal responsibility, anti-abortion, uh, secure borders. I mean, you can read it. Sounds great. You know, Hey, I'd vote for that guy, but they don't implement it, but they're going to tell you. And then they're going to tell you, vote for me, send me money. And I'm going to fix these things. And, you know, I was there and I tried earnestly to fix some things and, I'm telling you, if you don't get people in there that are the same mindset, and I think a, a, a candidate could even say, this is who I'm going to have for my vice president. Here's my cabinet. These are their credentials. And you move in with a group like that. I think it would be awesome. It's never been done. But America's great on innovation and new ideas. And, you know, the thing I learned is we upset the apple cart when we ran against the Republican machine. I mean, they didn't want me in there. They ran after me um, my next elections. I mean, uh, and that was all right because I wasn't dependent on them and they knew they couldn't, you know, move us too much um, or or hurt us too bad. Um, You know, we had people up there. Boehner was endorsing candidates and putting money behind them to run against us. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, if you get out, just say, I'm not going to play your game. I think it could happen. Well, it could happen. We had, once again, a linchpin would be leadership. And somebody yeah. organizes, you know, it's a big corporate. You'd have to have a good organizational yeah. team. Real vision and leadership. And yeah, there's you know, enough fed up people out there. I think if, if somebody made the call, this is what we're going to do, I think it would go like wildfire. Ask your listeners. Ask them to comment on that. Well, we have some coming in. So here's Jim Murphy, a long-time supporter of the show. Wishes we had a local radio station uh, that had that format. Yeah, Jim, we had it, yeah. but the owner sold it. And, um, you know, because I guess it was because money was more important, you know, to find an owner that is committed to what you're talking about is pretty tough. I mean, in, in my experience, it's been pretty tough because uh, big corporations own these stations or – sure. Um, you know, it's uh, 
they don't have nearly the freedom, for example, the talk show hosts that I do. I mean, I every show that's on here, I program myself. Every yeah. single show, well, I program myself. And see, I think you just answered it because you don't need a radio show because you lose your freedom of speech. YouTube, you lose your freedom of speech. Facebook, same thing. On independent nation, uh, stations like you are platforms, you can do whatever you want. And if they cancel you here, you're popped up over here. Um, and don't, when you have those stations like that, you become a slave of that station. You know, you've got to follow their guidelines. And, you know, that's not the American spirit. It's like we're independent, we're free thinking, and you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. We're going to work within the boundaries of the law and, and do the right thing. Um, Anyways, well, I'd, I'd like to hear about. what you ha- have your people say, your your listeners, and yeah. say that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Or that's no, one of them wants you to it. run for president already. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, talked about that one time. <clears throat> we sure did. We talked about it. And yeah. the, the the problem is, um, um, corralling all the cattle. You know, I mean, get yeah. Corralling all the cattle, put it on terms you and I understand. But you, you, you know as good as I do, you get a good, uh, a good border collie and a bucket of pellets. They're gonna oh, follow man. you. Oh <laughs> man, those range cubes—they'll follow you anywhere for that. I've never seen somebody, uh, a cow, go go crazy over something. They do those range cubes, and uh, yeah. yeah, they love those darn things. But that's what it really takes. I mean, I'm do- here. I am doing what I can, Ted. I really appreciate you. No, you are. You are checking in with us. I'm doing what I can. I'm just a one man band, and um, it's tough. I mean, every day I got to get up and do this, and I do it. Um, I got some selfish reasons. I do it because it keeps me going. And if I didn't yeah. have to do, what would I do? Um, go what? Sit around? I mean, you know, I got to get up in the morning, and I got a time definite. Um, you know, I got to be there. I got to have an engaging show, um, and uh, nobody's making me do it. I mean. I could really say, well, you know, I've done it long enough. And yeah, you don't need to do it, but you're doing it because you're you're passionate about this country, and and you look at where we're at as a nation. We're on we're on the brink of failing as a nation, the nation we knew uh, that we grew up and we love. And if you don't do it, what's going to happen? And if you do it and fail, well, at least you can say, you know, I put it, my effort in there. And, you know, again, I, I think of John Kennedy because he was a president. You know, I was born in 55. I saw a little bit of Ike. But I still remember him giving that speech. We do these, or you know, ask not what your country right. can do for you, but what can you do for your country? Right. And then well, when he did the moon project, he said, we do these things not because they're easy. We do them because they're hard, but the benefits are great. And... um you know, if we don't change direction in this nation, if we just keep letting the media pick who's going to be your candidate and then have them tear the candidate apart after they get elected and tell you what a moron he is or how terrible they are, you know, I think the American people are smarter than that, but they have no alternative. And Boris Johnson talked about that today. <laughs> Somebody asked him, they said, you did such a great job for England. We hope you run again. Because if you do, you'll be their biggest tourist attraction. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, you know what? I'll think about it. But everything you say is in the media and they twist it the way they want to. Oh, yeah. But you got to be bigger than that. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. 
You got to watch him. But uh, now we're talking with Ted Yoho from South Korea, Seoul, South Korea. South Korea. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I was thinking back as you were speaking about um, President Kennedy. I don't suppose we'll ever know how much things changed because of his assassination. Um, we'll never know. No. Johnson we'll was know. such a Johnson was such a dud. He had he was he was he was not exciting. He was not, you know, I mean it just changed everything, dumbed everything down. I mean Oh he did. It I mean look, look at what happened. And again, this is perfect analogy of what the Democrats do. The Great Society. That's what he named it. The Great Society. Um you know, the majority of the uh, black kids were born in uh, a regular family, you know, husband and fa- uh, wife. And now today, you know, I think it's less than 20% or 25% are born in a traditional family. You look at the poverty, war and poverty. We've gone backwards because they keep raising the bar. You know, you're if you've got a three-bedroom, one-bath house or whatever it is and one car and air conditioning uh, and you make under this amount, you're in poverty but not compared to another country. And anyways, uh, just some random thoughts I was throwing out there. Well, you know, the word war on poverty, I never, you know, you talk about a misuse of language. War is you kill everybody till you win. Yeah. That's not the word you use war on poverty. That's not poverty is an abstraction. War is a word that should be reserved for the absolute most dire of circumstances. Yeah, and, but they use it on war and poverty. Yeah, war they on use it all war on drugs, war on ISIS, war on terrorism. So it loses its yeah. meaning. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a. They're never ending. It's never ending. So, yeah. well, we've got to end. I mean, I. Plantation <laughs> 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 Mark said, "Great show today," and we appreciate y'all watching, listening. <laughs> uh, some of the fans here that are watching, they donate uh, out of their own pocketbook to us. Uh, pretty important. Do they really? Yeah, they do. They donate out of their own pocketbook. Well, speaking of that, I know Meldon Law, Crime Prevention, and Lewis Oil have been faithful supporters of yours, and I know I appreciate them all too. Oh yeah, on the spot cleaners. Uh, there's a bunch. You know, there's more. We roll it yeah. halftime, but we'd always like to have more. Uh, but some of them are afraid of the cancel culture. You know, they don't want to. You know, they have the business people see, and so they want to. Yeah. You know, it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, it's one of them things you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I think Budweiser learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wondering what you know, that guy's that guy's doing in that sorority house. <laughs> yeah, hey, we got yeah, a only in America, only in yeah. America. You'll be back in in, in the states uh, next week, I assume. So, yeah, uh, if all goes well, we'll be broadcasting from Wheelacca, Florida, the oh, Good Life man. Community on top of the hill. What's the home of the uh, large mouth bass. Oh my bass God. capital of the world. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you all for tuning Hi, in. Man. Thanks for watching. Y'all take care. And Bye. uh thanks for um, being with us this half hour. Warthog Command Center out.